When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Go behind the wheel and under the hood on everything automotive with high-speed stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to the High Speed Stuff Podcast. I'm Scott Benjamin, the auto editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. And I'm uh, Ben Bullen. I'm a video writer here. I forgot for a second, Scott, uh, at, at the same website. I forgot. Well, I forgot my name. Oh, the name part. I yeah. thought that was the easy part. I know. I'm caught up, though. I saw it on an index card. So good <laughs> thing we're taking notes. Pretty slick. What's going on today, Scott? Well, I think we're going uh, to go back in time a little bit. We're going to go back to uh, some antique engines. We want to talk about um, some different types of engines more so than uh you know the, the current engines that we see today in, in cars sure. you know like we're talking a lot about hybrids we're talking a lot about plug-in plug-in electric vehicles mm-hmm. we're talking about uh, a lot of different technology but let's let's go back in time and we'll talk about some of the uh the well i guess antique technology uh, that goes with, into engines so antique but not ancient so not how, <laughs> how far back are we going not here? ancient we're gonna go back uh turn of the century i guess you know mm-hmm. the 18 late 1800s early 1900s ah, um okay. and you probably have seen or at least uh, at least know of the engines that we're talking about today. These are called hit-and-miss engines. And um, they're also called stationary engines. They're also called chuggers by some people. And what they are, these are, these are big, huge farm engines that run things like threshers and mm. sawmills and gristmills. And um, I think even smaller versions ran ice cream churns. Um, just anything that normally would have somebody doing a repetitive motion uh, yeah. physically – this took the place of that at some point in history, usually on a farm. Which is interesting because nowadays we don't usually think about these sort of engines. A, a lot of people, because we live in a society where a lot of people aren't using farm machinery or even seen it. Well, now. yeah, they do, but it, you know, some, a lot of people are still using it. It's just they're using much more modern versions of it. These, sure, these much more sophisticated. These, yeah, exactly. These stationary engines that I'm talking about are the type that you see at the. Uh, you know, in the, I guess maybe in a, a section off to the side at the at the state fair, yeah. Um, they're enormous engines. They look a lot like, um, almost like steam locomotives when you see them at first because they have flywheels on them that are so huge they look like uh, train wheels. You know, the old train mm-hmm. wheels, the, the mm-hmm. great big spokes. Yeah. Um, very similar in design. They've got, well, I shouldn't say similar. They're they're close. They've got um, two large flywheels on each side uh, that carry momentum, and uh, well, you know, I'm getting into the the 
Oh, we're starting to get into the, it. We're starting to get to the point where we're going to talk about the operation of them. But what I want to mm. say is that uh, the, these engines, these hit and miss engines, as they're called, are, are really unique in the way they operate. And we just don't see anything like this today. They, they do make modern versions of it. There's one company that still does, um, kind of a you know, almost like a third world use of them that you know require very little maintenance um i think they're also used for maybe oil pumps things like that because these these engines are used for pumps but uh we'll get into the operation of these things in a moment but they are they're really unique in the way they operate yeah now that's the question that i think a lot of listeners have on their minds first off hopefully there are several people who are excited that we're hitting this topic i would think so i would hope so yeah and and uh the people who are not quite sure about why we call this a hit and miss engine. Mm-hmm. How, how would you explain it to All them? right, well, a hit, I guess if you want to call it, it, it it's a hit and miss engine because there, there are two stages of this thing. There, it still is a four-cycle engine, really. Um, it, and I hope I'm not misstating this because it, this is so odd. Um, there's still intake, there's still compression, there's still combustion, and there's still exhaust. So that's for the four-stroke four engine. Yeah. Now... What's strange about this is that it has the ability to pause itself in the exhaust st- stroke so that nothing is really happening inside the engine. It's freewheeling at a certain point. So it can it determines by engine RPM w- when it coasts, I guess, and it makes this really distinct sound. It's, it's, this engine is barely running, really, is what it is. Mm, okay. um, it determines by RPMs based on the flywheel revolutions when this thing fires, when it, when it coasts. And it's all, you know, this... It's a simple yet still complex um, govern, governing system sure. that allows this to happen. And what it does is it allows the exhaust valve to stick open so that uh, the engine, again, free wheels, no, no compression, no spark, anything's happening. It just kind of chugs along, and it makes kind of a whooshing sound. And then when it does fire, when the exhaust hits, it's a, it's a pop sound. Whoosh, so this thing, these things are extremely fuel efficient. They, they really are fuel efficient. They, um, in fact, some, you know, these, these were, they're, the early, early versions of them were steam engines uh, because, you know, that was the technology at the time. Then they started to slowly be replaced by gas-powered engines, okay. you know, the same design. And, you know, then, then they get to a point where, you know, the gasoline was kind of expensive at the time, you know, compared to other fuels that could burn, like uh, kerosene. Okay. So they would start them with gasoline and then switch them over to run on kerosene. That's how lean they could run these things. This is wow. The, yeah, they were able to, to continue to burn that way. So, um, and, and what's really odd, they have one big cylinder. It's a horizontal cylinder. Hmm. Um, maybe I should just go into, like, one step here, like one yeah, process of how it all it works. Okay, well, here's the thing. It's, it's, not, it's not a throttled engine. It's, it's self-controlled. It's, it's controlling itself uh, via these flywheels. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, there's a, there's a governing system. Honestly, this is one of those things that you'd have to, to see to understand, you know, to be able to physically... Uh, look at this thing and put it together how it's really operating but i can i can try to describe to you um so again it, it's really it really runs lean they barely operate it sounds like they're just chugging along when you when you hear them it's kind of a like like i mentioned a, like a whoosh whoosh yeah, whoosh, wait, whoosh wait. Pop. you keep going whoosh do oh. the whoosh again whoosh 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 oh, i couldn't oh, okay. pop loud well, enough that right? kind of fell off it yeah yeah <laughs> we'll just have somebody put a more good a, pop in it's there. more of a bang really it's more I mean, of a bang yeah and you know what i'll i'll um you know what? At the end of this, I'm going to give you a, a a place to look where you can find just a fantastic example of this thing, and it's 
it's one of those videos that's really cool to watch, and you won't even believe what you're seeing. But I'm going to mention it at the very end of this podcast. Okay, um, but I'm going to hold you to that. I, I want you to because it's uh, it's something worth watching if you if you have any interest in this, and it's it's a very good example of watching one of these types of engines run, mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it's a bit scary. It really is. It's it's a frightening thing. You, you think that the person's in danger that's near this thing, but uh, oh, well, then definitely the we'll tell people at the All end. All right, so. Anyways, here's the way it works. Now, again, it's not throttled. You remember, it's a, it's a, it's it's kind of the self-governing device. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens is the um, it, it only fires when it needs to. The the um, it has a suction intake valve and an exhaust valve that can be held open. So remember, that's the freewheeling part is when the exhaust valve is held open. Um, so there's no suction in the cylinder at that point, and you know it freewheels. It saves fuel because the governor, you know, RPM controlled. Or if the engine is under load, like let's say that um, you know more power is required, right. this will pick that up and it will it will fire more often. It will fire more rapid fire than it does normally because it's in this conservation mode where it's just barely staying alive. Which I think is a really intelligent design. It it is, and it's so simple. It's really it's just this. Uh, it, it it just works. It's one of it's, those. Uh, it's mechanical. There's no computer involved. No, no. There's this no, is purely yeah. mechanical. Purely mechanical. Um, so as the, as the engine slows down and the governor, the governor activates a rod that closes the exhaust valve. Okay, so this, the engine RPMs is starting to drop down. It realizes it needs more power. You know, the mm-hmm. other three strokes are happening that, yeah. uh, well, sort of the other three strokes are happening. But um, it realizes it needs more power. So it, it, the governor allows the, the valve to shut, which then sends a signal to the spark plug to fire. And, you know, bang, it happens one more time. Um, and then the valve opens up and it stays open for the next two or three cycles until until it requires more power again mm-hmm. so um again like you said intelligent design um so I'm, i think i'm skipping ahead here on my notes below, but the the spark plug flares the engine speeds up slightly so what happens is the flywheel gets this uh this kind of chugging motion you'll you if you watch the flywheels they're spinning really quickly mm-hmm. you know when you see a um a tire on the road um uh, highway speeds you'll see the tire it almost looks like it's standing still right and then it yes. kind of backs up yes. you'll see that effect happening i don't remember the name of it off the top of my head but you'll see that effect happening with these big flywheels and it'll start to slow down you can see it start to, to mm-hmm. back off a little bit and then you hear the fire the engine fire and the wheel will pick up speed again and it'll pul- so it pulses I see. Um, under load that can be you know smoothed out considerably so that it's it's even consistent power so what <clears throat> i guess before we we move on from this point the next immediate questions would be uh what happened to hit and miss engines or uh what are the relative advantages you know what let's do that first scott what are the relative advantages of a hit and miss well engine? it's like i said it's extremely lean mm-hmm. and at the time it was just the uh, it was the current technology okay. um it it so it, it's it's efficient to run it uh at the, like i said at the time it was a you know the, the best technology they had because they were switching over from steam to gas and a lot of the parts you know they, these are made of cast iron these are made of steel they weren't uh, they weren't manufactured in facilities where you know they're using robots to measure you know uh, thicknesses and and gaps and you know everything else. No, don't make fun of my <laughs> robot factory on the air anymore. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> no, but they. Uh, so the the thing is, it's it's old tech right now. Okay. And you know, eventually it became old tech quickly. You know, mm-hmm. it, uh, suddenly things were a lot more tight and things were running a lot better. And you know, the the standard four cycle smaller engines were putting out more power because. A lot of these engines that I'm talking about, these these were huge. The parts were big. The uh, the horsepower or the output of them was not all that great. Now it ran mills, it ran sawmills and things, so it was great at um, you know things that required a um, 
almost like a PTO would be today, like to run these in, you know, accessory mm-hmm. um, items. See. So like you'd, you'd hook a belt to the engine, which would then drive another series of belts that would run mm-hmm. the sawmill. Well, you know, the power from this thing may have only been like 30 horsepower. Yet it's the size of a of a big farm tractor these days, right? I um, see. Or or a big truck, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't mean just the truck engine. I mean the size of the, the truck. The whole thing. Yeah, exactly. The size of the truck. It's it's enormous. These these early engines are, um, and the the smaller ones that are you know half that size, they may have ten horsepower. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're seeing that um, you know the technology as as it grew and it became a lot more precise. Um, you know, that's when these just started to kind of go away. And we had that ongoing drive toward a miniaturization, yeah. minimization of weight, which and, we still see today. And, and one other thing is, yeah, you're right, miniaturization, you know, just it was it was impossible to keep these things around. They were just mm-hmm. too big. Another thing is that during World War II, uh, there was a push for, you know, gathering as much metal as possible to uh, to use for, um, you know, military implements, as we Great talked point. about yeah. in other, other podcasts. And um, so, a lot. Unfortunately, a lot of these engines were scrapped. They were used just strictly strictly for metal. They were melted down. So, a lot of the old, um, I guess I call them dinosaur engines, were uh, Din- I like were that. scrapped. Yeah, they were scrapped. A lot of the dinosaur engines, regardless of how intelligently yeah. they were designed, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Were yeah, because they were. I mean, like I said, they were on their way out. So, mm. you know, why keep them around? We need the metal. But some of the fear not if you are an enthusiast of hit and miss engines. Mm-hmm. Some of the principles we still find in some modern vehicles, especially like the flywheel, right? Okay. Um, So, Scott, I'm just going to go out on a limb here, you being the auto editor. You've maybe heard of clutches. Yes. Okay. So one sentence, what is a clutch? A clutch is something that allows you to engage a gear so that your uh, your transmission, you can shift between gears on a transmission um, without without grinding the gears, and it allows you to seamlessly shift between the gears in theory unless you're a student driver which yeah, is a funny story it's probably it's probably a not so easy way to put that but well it's you didn't have much to work with it was like yeah. one sentence right <laughs> yeah one sentence surprised. well in a car's clutch a flywheel and this is from an article that we have on how clutches work mm-hmm. a flywheel connects to the engine and a clutch plate connects to the transmission mm-hmm. so a flywheel is part of that process that we're talking about yeah. even in modern vehicles it's like the flywheel is the link between the engine and the transmission. Exactly, exactly. Nail on the head here. Okay, so basically, uh, a flywheel specifically, and you're right exactly when you talk about its role there, a flywheel specifically is uh, best, maybe best described as a heavy wheel attached to uh, a rotating shaft that smooths out delivery of power from the motor to the machine. And so here, I'm not going to get too much into the physics, right, mm-hmm. or too deeply into it. The inertia of the flywheel sort of opposes fluctuations in the speed of the engine. And then it stores, optimally, it stores the excess energy there for, uh, I guess, intermittent or use at intervals. Sure. Intermittent yeah, use. when the engine's not producing power, it's, it's mm-hmm. still coasting at the same speed, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure it's pulsating just a bit, but uh, it does carry that momentum. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's exactly what the old engines did, except they were external. They were huge wheels on the outside. There were, was one on each side. So that uh, the rotating shaft that was driven by the piston is just on the outside of the engine rather than on the inside where you can't see it. Mm-hmm. But we still have something like that. It's just inside, and it's one small one. Right. We, we made some improvements to the original design, right? I would think so. But yeah. the original concept... You know, don't fix it if it's not broken. Mm-hmm. We just took it and ran with it. So for a lot of people hearing about hit and miss engines or hearing about well, without knowing exactly what a flywheel is and why 
it does what it does. I think uh, a lot of people would be surprised to see how common these are. These are in your favorite Honda Civic, right? These mm-hmm. are in everybody's favorite Monte Carlo. Sure. <laughs> my favorite Monte Carlo. I knew you'd mention it somehow. Huh? I have to. Yeah, I we're talking you... about antique engines, and you somehow mentioned your Monte Carlo. With a flywheel, it made sense. I love that <laughs> Good car, work. Scott. I can't. Good work. It's like my kid. Yeah, I know. Uh, it right. makes you choked up a little bit to talk about it. I did. It? I did get a little choked up um, yeah. on dream cars. So, all right, when we <clears throat> when we talk about the, the hit and miss engine, which, as you said, is old tech, and we talk about the flywheel, which exists still in modern engines, are there other engines aside from cars where people could expect to see a flywheel? Well, sure. Um, you know, a lot of people. Well, actually, you know what? I'm going to take this a different direction. Let's go a different way. I'm going I'm to take this in a direction that that a lot of people are are making flywheel engines out of more modern engines. Now, I've seen some in the past where they make a you know smaller flywheel engine, and we're talking about tabletop type engines right okay and some of these are beautiful some of them are, are extremely well machined and shiny and you know really mm. really well laid out beautiful others are a little rough but they're just a project you know they're just uh, a restoration maybe almost a hobby but something. you may look at a uh, you know a, um i'll just take an example and i don't know if this is accurate or not but a briggs and stratton engine from the 50s or 40s okay and they may convert that into a a flywheel engine with two external flywheels and the magneto system that it requires, you know, in order, it, it, the different type of system that it requires in order to keep this thing running. Um, it, it's really just kind of interesting to see the hobby that, or I guess the hobby uh, culture that's evolved mm-hmm. around this. If you, if you search, if you do a keyword search for um, hit and miss engine, you can find videos of, of these things running. You can see it. And a big thing with them is a lot of a lot of the hobbyists is that they like to show you how slow they can make these things idle, which is kind of cool because they can take it way down mm-hmm. to the point where it barely is operating. And they kind of can – it's a competition amongst hobbyists and enthusiasts, It right? seems like it. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of gathering that because we were looking at some videos. We were, uh, we were reading a lot about it, and I was finding that a lot of them were really, for some reason, just really, really – I don't know, focused on the idea that they could get this thing to barely run, which I thought was kind of cool because, you know, if you turn on, if you have a lawnmower at home and you've got it even at the lowest idle setting, it's it's running, but it's still running pretty quick. You still hear it, you know, the yeah. pop, 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 you know, yeah, it's definitely. a lot faster than that. These are, like I said, the uh, you hear that whoosh, whoosh sound mm-hmm. many times before you hear it, um, before you hear it pop again. So there's a lot of, you know, they're they're really getting this thing to run on almost no fuel at all. Oh, which goes to a point that we, we'd be remiss if we let it pass. Um, if people are interested in these sort of engines, it is possible to build one. You know, it is possible oh, to make a model to get yeah, a kit of it. They they sell kits, which yeah. I think would be a lot of fun to make one. Um, I, I'm sure it's a you know pretty intense hobby to, to have because you know you need a lot of uh, mechanical skill. Right. Um, a lot of them that I saw, you have to you get a lot of the raw materials and you cut or or mill the materials yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, there may be some out there that are just assembly. You know, the you know the the kit has everything you need. You assemble it. That that may be out there. Uh, the ones I saw required welding. They required. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, there's a level of prerequisite skill. Exactly, and you know, even for these kits, I mean, I noticed that you can you can download vintage battery covers or you know wrappers for the the coils, and you can say, um, you know, so it looks like. Yeah. vintage batteries or That's you know cool. which is kind of cool and there's a lot of there's a lot of things like that that you can do to give these things some authenticity you know that uh, I, well a look of authenticity anyways. should should we get one for the office that'd be kind of cool that would be a lot of fun you no know, we have those we have the um was it the transmission yeah, the, we have uh, transmission in many parts in yeah. uh, in our one of our meeting rooms here um, maybe well, that would be really cool to have an operating engine here 
Yeah, it'd be so good if you're if you're having some moment where you're shuffling for notes, which does happen to us sometimes. Sure. You could just turn on the just, flywheel. Just hey, everyone, look at this. Fire the engine up and uh, let them be amused with that for a while and uh, yeah. uh, gather it, yourself. It would work a couple of times. Yeah, probably. I need one I can just carry bored. around. You know what? I, yeah. I, I think we're getting close to the end here. But yeah, you yeah, know yeah. You know what I do need to do? What's and I that? forgot to do this right at the head of the uh, of the show here. Oh, this I was, know. This was indirectly mentioned by a listener. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it wasn't really a suggestion for a podcast, but it was indirectly suggested. Um, someone named Butch, and Butch is from Missouri, from what I gather from his note here. And he said that uh, he, he had just mentioned that he had gone to um, uh, some event, a local tractor show in Missouri, that had featured uh, the steam and single-fire gas engines is what he called them. And um, he just wanted to know if there was any way to design a uh, like a biofuel version of this flywheel design. Uh, that would be even more efficient, but would run on biofuel, and so you're you're kind of using like the, I, I guess, and you know, in some way the best of both worlds. You know, you yeah. could have this this extremely lean running engine yeah. on a fuel that's supposedly um, you know renewable. A very conservative machine on a renewable. Exactly. Fuel. So that was Butch's idea from from Missouri. So I figured we should mention that that comes all the way back from September of 2009. Um, I just remembered him mentioning that uh, that engine that barely ran. Um, and I, I didn't know what it was called at the time. We started talking about yeah. flywheel engines, and mm-hmm. that led to hit and miss, and then I remembered this. So thank you, Butch. And, thank you, Butch. Uh, one last thing. One last Unless thing. Unless you've got you more to go on the flywheel here. Actually, I, wanted, I just wanted to hold you to the oh. one last thing. Yeah, is this, got, the... this This is, and this is, I tell you, this is one of those definitely worth three minutes of your time to look up. Yeah. Um, if you do a, a YouTube, YouTube search for, it comes under two things. Uh, there's two videos here. One is um, Giant 1918 Hit and Miss Engine. And the next one, which is the same engine in a different location, different uh, uh, different videographer, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is called 1918 Bessemer Euler Hit and Miss Engine. It's the same engine. This thing is massive. I mean, it's huge 1918 Bessemer hit and miss engine that's, that's operating in both cases and the operator is standing you know these wheels are the, the flywheels are about seven feet tall yeah they'd have to be and one he's standing in a field the other one the second one he is on a trailer they didn't even unload it at the event uh before they ran it um, i don't know if it's just because it's so huge or just so difficult to get up and down onto this onto this thing but um <laughs> apparently this this monstrosity ha- it only only has uh, 35 horsepower and Ouch. it just it, it shakes the ground when it operates. It, it's really it rumbles, and you can f- you can feel it on the ground when you're when you're anywhere near when this thing's operating. It originally ran a grist mill, according to uh, you know the person who was taping could hear the announcer at the event, you know, because they said, "Hey, it looks like so and so's got his 1918 Bessemer, mm-hmm. um, you know, hit and miss running." And because they could hear it all the way across the fairgrounds, and probably maybe feel and a little tinge in probably feel it, but this thing. It's got. It also has. You know, aside from looking like just this massive old uh, locomotive engine, almost is what mm-hmm. it looks like. Um, it has an exhaust on it that that points straight upward at the front of the engine, and it's probably. It looks like the size of a steering wheel, about that big around. Maybe uh, maybe bigger than a coffee can, mm-hmm. and it has a cap on it. And it every time the uh, every time the spark plug fires, it shoots a smoke ring into the air. And smoke ring goes, this is the power of the thing. It sounds like a cannon going off. And it shoots probably, looks like 50 feet into the air, a smoke ring, every time that it bangs. And 
honestly, I don't know how this guy could even stand near this thing when it's operating. I mean, it's shaking and smoking and just it's billowing smoke all around him. I don't, I don't know how you can see it. Probably years of practice. Uh, probably, yeah. And, and just, you know, confidence that nothing's going wrong there. You know, he's got to be there to monitor everything that's happening. And he knows that it's supposed to, you know, work that way. Right. But uh, this is, it's really a cool video to watch. And it'll give you an idea of what we're talking about today. And, of course, this is a, an extreme version of it. Mm-hmm. There are many, many smaller versions of it. You can find those online, too. But you know we like the we like the biggest stuff. We want yeah. the most extreme. This one this one's really cool. I'm gonna go back to my desk and watch it when we're done. Because <laughs> I've, right. I've seen it probably three or four times, but it's it's really cool. And uh, while we head out to do that, we hope you guys have had a great time uh, listening to this podcast. Uh, Scott and I are probably gonna hit the road here for um, I don't know until next time. But in the meantime, if you have any ideas for an upcoming podcast or would like to know more about uh, anything auto-related, please send us an email. At highspeedstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. And be sure to check out the High Speed Stuff blog on the howstuffworks.com homepage. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at Viking.com. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts.